Elite Expert Insider, the podcast that educates, inspires, and motivates you to take your business and life to the next level. We would like to thank Audible for supporting Elite Expert Insider. Please go to the link bit.ly forward slash Elite Audible. That's bit.ly forward slash Elite Audible. And get a free 30-day trial to show your support. Thank you, Audible. Now to Elite Expert Insider for conversations with industry leaders. Hi, I'm Melanie Johnson along here with my partner, Jen Foster. How are you doing today, Jen? Doing great, thank you. We have an outstanding guest today. You are going to learn so much. He is not just an expert, he's a really good friend of mine, Bob Hughes from Grand Rapids, Michigan, and a fellow Spartan from Michigan State University. And he is going to tell us how to learn about the best health care plans, not just for uh, your benefits for uh, as you're an employee or for your company. He curates all this information and helps companies find the best health care plans and benefit plans for the company and for the employees. So he studies all this stuff and knows the best things, the top apps, everything that you can figure out. And it's so confusing today. I'm sorry, but Obamacare has just made it more expensive and more confusing. So he's going to clarify a lot of that for us today. So welcome, Bob. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about what your business does. I kind of fumbled through a little bit what you do, but kind of clarify what you do, your company does, and how you got started. Well, the side joke is that we just sponsor sports teams because we have a professional cycling team and some sailing thing. But in reality, all that would go away. Um, we're an employee benefits firm. so. We have the privilege of working with a lot of different employer organizations, everything from universities to manufacturing companies to banks to nursing homes to advising them on their employee benefit programs and helping those match their total compensation strategies and getting the most bang out of the benefit dollar because benefit costs keep escalating at an unfair rate. That is a big challenge these days with the cost escalating and trying to get the right benefits. So what do you do? Run us kind of through when you meet with a company. Um, what do you do for a small business or medium-sized business? Yeah, most of the companies we work with are kind of like 100 employees, like 25,000 and somewhere in between, but in, in different needs, obviously, for different size companies, but you know, what are they trying to accomplish with their benefits package? Are, are they very high on wages and they want to be a little bit lower in the marketplace in terms of benefits? We help them benchmark that, or are they kind of low on comp and they want to have a very rich benefits program for attracting and retaining great talent with the labor market the way it's been the last couple of years, which is very tight. Employers haven't wanted to skimp on benefits because they're afraid of losing people, and at the same time, the cost of benefits, particularly health care, keeps escalating at a ridiculous rate, so it's put a lot of pressure on employers. I mean, they're typically paying 75% of the cost. A typical employee pays 25%. And as that goes up at ridiculous rates, it makes it difficult and challenging. And as you mentioned, Obamacare, not only has it unfortunately increased costs, but compliance burdens at this point. Um, there's so much additional required to comply with America, uh, Obamacare because of the mandates and so forth. They basically made employers act like uh, the U.S. Census Bureau in terms of reporting a whole bunch of data that it's not doing anything to help business owners uh, compete. That's pretty daunting if you have to do, I mean, companies have enough to do, but to have to do all that data on top of it makes it really cumbersome. What do you think is uh, one of the top things or a couple things that a company should be looking for 
um, of ways to help save in a healthcare plan. Um, you know, I, you had talked to me before about like there's an app that they can use. There's different things, not just even picking the plan, but on top of the plan. So kind of go over what are something they should be looking in plans um, when they're comparing, and um, and then some of your secret weapons that you have that you use. Yeah, sure. I mean, healthcare costs, rising costs are a problem for everybody. Depending on where you live in the country, a family today is going to spend anywhere from uh, fifteen thousand to twenty-two thousand on health insurance for a year. That's the crazy. Divide that by twelve. Think of the mortgage payment and the place you can get with something like that. And on top of that, that's not something that goes up by two or three percent a year. The, the increases average between five and ten, eleven percent. And with what's going on with prescription drugs, particularly these outrageous specialty drug costs right now, it's driving healthcare costs even higher. So what it all comes down to is a few things. There's there's a few things that are driving costs more than others. There's a lot of things that are in this complex equation, but um, helping people get the best value for the dollar. You know, it's easy to reduce benefits, increase deductibles, just passing on to the employees, increase their contributions, but that really doesn't get to the root of the problem. So yeah. one of the, the there's a few things impacting the cost. Um, one of the big things you have to remember is almost half the people in this country today are now covered by the government as in Medicare and Medicaid, we've just expanded Medicaid for a lot of people as part of Obamacare. And the problem with that is it's helping people get coverage, but the government, particularly with Medicaid, underpays the hospitals and the doctors for the people they cover. So the doctors get reimbursed a lot less than they do from commercial programs like the Cigna, Blue Cross, United Healthcare's of the world. So when those doctors charge people like you and I that have commercial plans because they're getting underpaid by the government, they need to charge us more. So in effect, we're subsidizing the government plan. So if the government's really going to cover people, they need to pay the whole thing. And um, that's not what they do. So that's one of the many problems of this healthcare equation. The second thing, though, is if you think about it, you ever heard that old famous saying, people spend other people's money differently than they spend their own? Yes. So if you think about healthcare for like the last 25 years since I started it back in the day, they, we rolled out these PPO and HMO programs. And Basically what that was all about is we told everybody, you go to these in-network providers. And in return for that, we're going to give you these low co-pays, 25 bucks to go see a doctor. I mean, think about it. You could spend less to see a doctor than it was to get your hair done. Obviously not my hair because my haircuts are pretty cheap. But a $25 copay to see a doctor, $25 copay to get a prescription drug, and maybe a $100 deductible at a hospital incredibly low out-of-pocket payments for people to use healthcare to drive them to these in-network providers. Well, the theory was great. It would get people to go to these places where they negotiated discounts ahead of time, but the people using the healthcare, since you're paying so little, didn't care what things really cost, had no access, access to what things cost. In over 25 years, the real cost was going up and there was no consumer in check spending their own money because they were just paying these small copays to find out what was really going on like that part of Wizard of Oz, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Well, what was going on behind the curtain was a bad thing. So um, the move in the last few years has been to try to reverse this world. I don't know what things cost. I don't care. A, there's not information out there. I mean, think about it, Melanie. When was the last time you were in your doctor's office and you saw the prices on the yeah, never. They never show you that. Matter of fact, my big awakening was um, I use an inhaler, and it used to cost me with my copay like twenty-five bucks. And then um, I went there, and she said, "Well, I just want to let you know it's uh, 
300 something was 350 I'm like what's 350 my inhaler was $350 that I was paying $35 for and now I had to pay the whole 350 it was very eye-opening yes and unfortunately that's what needs to happen but like you do not see the prices at the doctor's office at Walgreens you don't see the drug prices on the wall you see the prices for the chips and chocolate and when you drive by the hospital you don't see signs on sale babies delivery this week five thousand dollars blanket included <laughs> So the shift has been to let's raise the deductible because the plans with the low co-pays and the low deductibles were getting incredibly expensive. And from a value standpoint, here's, here's a big point. When we pull um, experience and look at actual utilization of plans for all the people that have a $500 deductible, because $500 deductibles sound great, the average deductible in the U.S. today for health plans is about 1000 bucks. A $500 deductible used to be normal. But the people that haven't paid for a $500 deductible, what do you think is the percentage of those that hit that on an annual basis if you had to guess? I would think like 90%. What would you think, Jen? Yeah, hi. Yeah. yeah. More than 90%. I mean, everything's so expensive. About 25%. Hmm. So low deductibles sound great, but are they worth it? If you're going to pay for that low deductible and only hit it one out of five, one out of four years, might it make more sense to raise the deductible to a point where we're not going to lose our house or our car if we have a big claim? Because insurance is designed to protect us from large, unexpected costs. Right. When you think of the insurance we have now with those low co-pays, I mean, think of your auto insurance included tire rotation, new wipers, oil changes. Think how expensive it would be. That's the way we have it set up now. Now we raise the deductible. You take that premium savings that you would have paid for that $500 deductible that you only hit one out of four years, and you put that money into a health savings account where you get some triple tax benefits where that money goes in pre-tax before federal, state, local, and FICA taxes, better than a 401k, and earns interest tax-free. Then if you have a claim before you hit your deductible, you use that money to pay for it tax-free, saving you 40% of the cost. And better yet, if you don't use that money at the end of the year because you didn't have big claims, that rolls over to the next year, it's always yours. That money continues to build tax-free in your HSA, and you can use that money for dental, vision, LASIK surgery, a whole bunch of everything. You can't use it for two pays. Unfortunately, I've already looked into that. But um, that is the neat thing about raising the deductible and using the HSA. But what raising the deductible does is it brings the American consumer back into the game. Because if I'm paying for the first two or three thousand dollars of healthcare, like the experience Melanie mentioned, I want to know what things cost. And here's the dirty little secret: depending on what pharmacy you walk into in town. Three of the most popular drugs that people use, the price can vary by as much as 500 bucks. I can show you examples of an anxiety depression drug that's incredibly popular in terms of its usage. And here in town, you can buy it for five bucks or three miles down the road in another pharmacy, you can pay $100 for it. And that's not unique to Michigan and that's not unique to any particular drug. Um, some of the most expensive pharmacies out there, um, I'll let you figure that out, but a lot of times they start with a W and they have red brick buildings on almost every other corner. I, I can assure you they're not putting them up selling half gallons of milk. Right. So um, shopping for drugs and if somebody is motivated because now they're using that premium savings by taking the higher deductible to pay for that drug, they're going to shop for drugs just like they shop for plane tickets, gas, and groceries and they won't overpay. I'll give you another example. Unfortunately, I have a little gift of cholesterol that I blame on my dad. He tells me it's my ice cream addiction. But either way, I've had to take Lipitor for years. And I have a high deductible plan with an HSA, $3,000 deductible. I used to have to get Lipitor. It cost me 100 bucks a month. 
Midwest chain, Meyer now offers Lipitor for free as a loss leader. They want me to come in, get my free Lipitor, walk out with two grocery carts full of $200 of stuff. So if you just pay attention and be a consumer and treat it like everything else, you can save yourself a lot of money on prescription drugs. There's great websites out there to help people. They're kind of like the gas buddies for drugs. Um, medtipster.com is a great one. Can you spell that out? It's just medtipster.com. I probably can't spell it because I'm not that smart, <laughs> but I'm sure you can. We can put um, it up on the underneath. Good RX, just good with the RX on the 8.com. And the state of Michigan and some other states have their own site. We have michigandrugprices.com where you can put in your zip code and the drug you need. It will tell you who's charging what in town. And these apps, as Melanie mentioned earlier, are evolving all the time. Technology is a lot of entrepreneurs getting this consumer information out to people. Yeah. Well, I love how you talked about the health savings account because I think a lot of people, especially employees or, you know, people that are working in corporations, they are just taking whatever plan their employer is giving them. And if their employer isn't educated, then they don't know that they can ask for the high deductible plan. Yeah. You, you can't blame them because they have been down this path for so many years of these low co-pays, but they've also been on the path of costs going up and up and up every year. And when you see a high deductible plan, the first reaction is they see this high deductible, like, oh my gosh, the dog is floor, this can't be good. But what they forget is the reduction premium they're getting, taking that money, the tax benefits of combining it with an HSA. And when a, when a high deductible plan is designed properly, remember insurance is designed to protect us against large unexpected costs. If I have a bad claim year in a high deductible health plan, I'm going to have a lower out-of-pocket maximum than I in a traditional plan when you factor in how much I'm paying out of my paycheck for. Well, so, I have a question about the HSA because um, it seemed to me you could get an HSA only if you had an HSA policy. Oh. So if you don't have that, um, I was told that you can't have a savings plan. And nowadays, there's so few HSAs, I mean, because then that costs you more money. What um, little research I did when I was in the marketplace last year, if I wanted the HSA, there were very few of them, and not all of them were uh, covered by my doctors, used by my doctors. So can you still have a savings plan even if your insurance is not considered an HSA plan? Great question. For years, people have had the flexible spending accounts that you can have with any health plan, but... The problem with those is you can put some money in pre-tax to pay for things, but they don't earn interest, and if you don't use it, you lose the money. The HSA is like the Lance Armstrong version of an FSA. It's like on steroids, where the money goes in pre-tax, earns interest tax-free, and if you don't use it, you lose it. But exactly to your point, Melanie, you can only have a health savings account if you're covered by a qualified high-deductible health plan. You can't be covered by a secondary plan, a military plan, or Medicare that prevents you from having the tax breaks of an HSA. Now, currently, 25% of the U.S. is now covered by a qualified high-deductible health plan, and it's growing. It will be the plan of choice driven by a lot of employers. Out of our clients that we work for, I would say 80% of them offer it, and probably close to 50% of the employees are in that type of a plan now, and that number is growing. What you're referencing is the individual marketplaces exchange of Obamacare. A lot of those don't have good HSA options on them. But if somebody's working for an employer, chances are they're going to have one to pick from. And if they're out there shopping, they can go off the exchange and they should be able to find an HSA compliant plan. And, and I would always, what's needed is you can have choice. A lot of our employers have choice, lower deductibles if an employer wants to pay more to the HSA type option. But I would always uh, have a um, entertaining and educational conversation with somebody that thinks an HSA is not good for them. Because in most cases, 
if they understand how it works and use it properly, it's going to be the best value whether they have low claims because then they get to hold on to more of their dollars or they have a bad claim year, they're going to have less out of pocket and more importantly, they can be rewarded for smart consumerism when they shop because they're going to get that savings on their own dollars when they don't overpay for services, which is really easy to do and we can get to next. Yeah, that's, that's smart advice. So to look for that with you are um, an employee to see if they have that option. As an individual, um, it was hard to find that. That was competitive. So, um, and then the other thing I wanted to ask you for the shopping of the drugs. So when they look for that, it's uh, it's not really time consuming to do that. And um, are there any other websites that you can think of that we should be looking out for? No, those are the ones for the drugs. Which are gonna, it's a fluid situation. And you know, you might love your pharmacist, but make sure they love you. You, you just want to ask, see what the prices are out there, see what they're charging. A lot of times they'll match prices and pay attention to who's doing what on certain drugs, certain generics, certain specialty drugs can, can be very different in price depending on what door you and I walk into. But to kind of take that conversation farther, healthcare services are very much the same. So we've all been told to go to in-network providers now for 25 years, so I always assumed when I went to an in-network provider, I was, if I went for an MRI, no matter what in-network provider I went to, I was going to pay the same thing that's been negotiated and arranged ahead of time. Yeah. Not, Not close at all. Um, prices in-network, and whether you're in Houston, Texas, or Grand Rapids, Michigan, or San Francisco, the prices in-network for the exact same procedure can vary by as much as 400%, depending on what door you and I walk into. And again, when's the last time you were by a hospital and you saw prices out there advertising? Um, Taking a little bit of a step back, and I'll go back to this though, to a little bit of the drug perfect storm. So 30, 25 years ago, drug manufacturers could not advertise directly to you and I. They could only go through doctors, through trade journals. Um, Food and Drug Administration allowed them to advertise direct to consumers years ago, and it's quickly become one, if not the biggest, advertising category out there. Now I ask you, when is the last time you saw a drug ad that mentioned price? Never, never. And um, and the other thing, I want you to walk us through uh, like a surgery, the different prices for surgeries. Yes. I'll do that in the whole drug thing. When you think about it, if you're bombarding people with ads, telling them about all these great drugs that are out there, unleashing a bunch of drug reps on doctor's offices, buying lunches and giving them tickets to things, and telling them to prescribe this drug, and the employee is only paying 25 bucks, no matter whether that drug costs 60 bucks or 200 drug drugs. It's a perfect recipe for drug prices to go through the roof. It's not a real world. It's not a free market. So drug companies are kind of famous for there will be many drugs that treat the same condition, cholesterol, high blood pressure, etc. There will be four or five existing drugs that get the same clinical results. A new one will come out. It doesn't get any better clinical results, but it has a fancy marketing campaign. They get doctors prescribing. It's way more expensive. Who ends up paying for it? If you only have a $25 copay, but the plan's paying $300 for that drug when the plan could be getting one for you for $100, what's going to happen to everybody's rates? What has been happening to everybody's rates for 20 years? So the drug thing has been going on, and that needs to change. Getting to other aspects of health, um, let's take it a step further. So let's say we go play some basketball. And I don't know, maybe it's the Longhorns versus the Spartans because they have a great rivalry. It seems like they play every couple of years, two great programs. And I'm playing against one of the Longhorns now. I'm just an old guy that likes to play hoops occasionally. But one of the Longhorns is a little bit aggressive, and that would probably be more like a U of University of Michigan player that would probably trip me, and I hurt my ankle or I hurt my knee. So as mentioned before, I have a $3,000 deductible. 
But we have a great app that we put on employees' phones or their iPads, and this is how easy it works. So healthcare blue book. When I hear the word blue book, what do I think of? Yeah, like cars. How do you buy cars and find the best price? Right, exactly. Best price, fair price. So transparency is this thing that's been going on for four or five years in healthcare, trying to help people understand what things really cost. It's hard. They First, they haven't had incentive because they had low deductibles and low co-pays to know what things cost. They didn't care. They were paying a small amount. That's just how rates go up like crazy. And second, the information hasn't been out there. So some great entrepreneurs, our friends at Healthcare Blue Book, not only do they have a great name, when you're trying to see people know what that means, but this is how easy it is. So I'm going to go right here to X-ray imaging, and I have this right on my phone. Have you, have you like tilted a little bit so I don't get the glare on it? Just tilt it. There you go. Is that good? Yep. So I went right to MRI. It's that easy. And I am going to go to, I'm not going to go to a brain MRI because I know that would probably find rocks, but I'm going to go to a knee MRI right here and tell me if you can see this. Little Shazam here in a second. There you go. So maybe if you can, like, till I guess maybe pull it back a little bit. Okay, talk to me now. Okay, so you'll see here at the top. This is in-network providers in town, and this works no matter where you are. You put this code in where you're at. That I could get an MRI for six hundred and nine dollars in town, or twenty-five hundred dollars, depending on what door I walked into. So I have a three thousand dollar deductible. Where do I want to go? Pretty obvious, right? So how do I find out? I scroll down, and there's the green, the Spartans, the good places. And I scroll down farther red, you see the Buckeyes, the bad ones that are overcharging. Sorry for the editorial, but that's how easy it is, and that's the kind of information that's out there. But if you think about this, let's say you have an employer with 200 employees or 2,000 employees. If everybody's going over here to the red providers for their $2,500 MRIs, what's going to happen to the rates next year? They're going to go way up. Yeah, and if you have a high deductible, you're, so whether you're in a low deductible plan or a high deductible plan, there's a lot of motivation once employees understand that not to go over here. And when healthcare starts acting like a free market, you get better prices. Now, some people will say, Bob, I don't want to go to the low-cost provider. This is healthcare. These are all in-network providers, the ones that you and I are already using. And lower cost, there's more studies that show higher quality with lower cost, the higher charging providers are ones that typically don't do that procedure as often and have more complications and higher costs. Or there's a referral pattern going on. So I'll give you an example. I recently had a special birthday that qualified me for an exciting new preventative care procedure, if anybody knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So my primary care doc, I've had him for a long time, a pharmac, he's a great guy. He said with a chuckle, Bob, I'm going to sign you up for your first colonoscopy. I'm like, oh, great. So he goes, I'm going to sign you up for uh, colonoscopy with Dr. Puff. I said, Dr. Puff, colonoscopy? I, I had to laugh. And anyways, I pulled out my Healthcare Blue Book app in front of them, and I looked up colonoscopies. And the cost in town, in network, was anywhere from $1,100 to $3,900. Wow, Puff, that's Puff a big range. Puff was coming in at $3,300, so I looked at McCormick. I said, why are you sending me to him? Is he going to throw in a toupee, or what else is included? And he had this blank stare. And, and basically, he goes, hey, where did you get that information? Physicians are not aware of the price difference. Second, I didn't know there was a price difference. And third, I've just been sending people where I've been told by my hospital system for years. 
Wow. How that stuff happens, and more importantly, here's what you and I can do about it now. There's information out there, and if we use it, you can quit from overpaying, take the high deductible, get higher quality, get lower cost. These kinds of examples were ear tubes for kids. I was doing meetings in Denver a couple months ago. In-network could vary from $2,000 to $12,000 for ear tubes. Wow. Um, yeah, there's a whole bunch of other examples. Sleep studies, you'll see a $5,000 variance, CAT scans, MRIs, surgeries, all types of things. So a better informed consumer is always better in every instance, and now we just have to start using the information and asking more questions and not overpaying. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. So, um, have you ever heard of healthcare memberships? So, I, I was at a CEO um, CEO builders meeting here in Utah, and there's a doctor here who has opened nine urgent cares, and he has what's called a healthcare membership where you pay so much per month depending on your family or individual, and he's selling it or, or sharing it with other employers and to buy for their employees. So he's suggesting the same thing you are, which is buy a high deductible health savings account and then subsidize it with this health membership. And the health membership, you go to his clinics to do all the regular stuff like blood tests, if you get a cold, you know, all the urgent care type stuff, or and everything up to stitches and broken arms and he does do x-rays and you know all that kind of things because so many people today when they get sick they run to the emergency room when they didn't need to go to the emergency room and then they're paying all this money um, and so anyway it, it seems really interesting to me um, his name is Dr. Rashad Bakathon I don't know if I said that right but have you heard of this type of thing? No, you hit on a whole bunch of key topics there so Concierge yeah. healthcare, and it's kind of like a trip back to the old days where you had the town doctor that would make some house yeah. calls. So, mm -hmm. yes, take the high deductible health plan. You're going to pay for your doctor's office visits, and in a typical office visit, um, when you go to see a doctor, in network is going to charge about $120, and then after the discount is applied from your health plan, it might be 90 But there are some doctors out there that are set up arrangements like you. You pay a flat fee, and your family can come in for basic services. Anytime they want, they don't have to stand in line. We're there for them. There's no charge for it. You're paying this fee. It's almost kind of like a country club situation. Yeah. And it supplements the other plan when they have a personal relationship. So those types of things have been um, popping up out there and, and, and are great. And um, they complement the other plans well for people that want to do something like that. Um, but you hit on another thing, the emergency room, and another way as consumers we're going to be able to benefit going forward as a result of technology. Because normally in healthcare, New technology is like solutions and cures, but it also usually has a high sticker price. Well, here is technology actually reducing costs. So you're going to hear a lot more, and you're starting to hear about it now, telemedicine. Mm -hmm. so, telemedicine. Think about it. When do we get sick between 8 and 5 all the time? Or if you have kids, it's after hours, it's on the weekend. Somebody just needs a prescription or they have a rash. What if you could just FaceTime your doctor, talk on the phone with a doctor, and get a prescription made or find out if I need to take them in? 24-7 without having to get out of work, try to get an appointment, drag kids around town or your own self. Telemedicine allows you to do that now right on your phone. You'll be able to talk to a doctor, get diagnosed. If they can't treat you, they're going to tell you you have to go in the hospital and so forth. But to get back, Jen, to your emergency room uh, example, so emergency room is definitely overused by a lot of people. The typical emergency room visit um, costs about $1,600 for somebody that goes in and is admitted and treated. If it was an emergency room visit when someone was misusing it and it could have been done on by telemedicine, 
which there's certain things, obviously, broken legs can't be done by telemedicine, heart attacks, but you get the point. Yeah. If it was an emergency room visit that could have been by telemedicine, the cost, I'm rounding off here, would have been about $1,300. If they would have just done that same visit on telemedicine 24-7, the total cost would have been 49 bucks. Right. i got to tell you, I'm a firm believer in the telemedicine. The, the program that I have is um, called Christian MediShare, which is probably like a, I don't know, it's like, it's not necessarily traditional, it's not considered insurance, but it's a group program. And they started the telemedicine, and I tried it out. I had uh, kind of flu-like symptoms, and I knew what I needed, what the doctor normally prescribes for me. They did the call. It was right away. They called me back within five minutes after I put up my little uh, inquiry on there. And uh, within minutes, I had my uh, prescription. And it was awesome. I didn't have to go anywhere. I didn't have to wait for anything, wait in the office for the doctor to see me and be with a bunch of other sicker people than me. It was wonderful. People will be using telemedicine like they use YouTube in a few years for sure, in a couple yeah. of years. And so I wanted to ask you, um, kind of moving forward, the I think what's also driving healthcare are the baby boomers. I mean, we have this huge sect of population. 76 million baby boomers are left on this planet. Um, they're getting sick and old and dying at a, an exuberant rate. And over the next 30 years is kind of the clump as this whole group moves down the line to get older. And um, so how do you think the future of healthcare is looking? What do you project for the next uh, five years, one year of what's going to happen in this marketplace? I, there's kind of two answers to a very good point that you're bringing up and kind of what can you do about it and what's going to happen. What's going to happen is there's going to be a lot more joint replacements, a lot more cardiac surgery, um, a lot more hospitalizations because you're right, this group is coming through. But unfortunately, what's driving it, a lot of people don't like to talk about it. Employers have tried to address it through wellness programs is the impact of obesity on our society. Obesity has overtaken smoking as the number one cause of unnecessary medical claims. And there's depends on who you talk to and what journal you read, but they'll say between 50 and 70% of medical claims are related to lifestyle choices. So let's just take the low one, 50% of it. But people don't understand that with the obesity, typically comes high cholesterol, so they're taking medication. Also comes high blood pressure, they're taking medication. Um, then the joint wear from carrying all that weight you get hip and knee replacements. And when the average American today weighs 24 pounds more than they did in the 60s, that takes its toll. So no matter how much we beat up the doctors and the hospitals and the insurance companies, if you've got more unhealthy people with the diabetes and the obesity and the joint sore, you're going to have higher costs. And you combine that with people not having had skin in the game in terms of paying for it in the past because they've had these low deductibles and copays, it's really a, a recipe for exponential costs. So I really worry about how we're going to pay for all of this. And A, you know, much easier said than done. We need to get people healthier for so many reasons. And, and unfortunately, this trend is continuing with children with the, with the obesity issue. And that's just passing it down another generation. Second, we need to get people more involved um, in what they, what things cost and knowing how they cost. And, you know, one thing I like to think of is, I have occasionally had a little bit of a speeding issue when I've gotten a few tickets. I'm good now, but in the past I've been dumped into the uh, the pool for when you get too many speeding tickets. Well, do you know what happens to my car insurance when I go in the pool? Mm -hmm. It goes through the roof. I mean, you almost have to go get a junker to insure it because the insurance costs are through the roof. So what happens? I slow down because now I'm paying a lot more. Well, 
if people have made choices and you try to everything you can to help them to not take care of themselves, then they, they need to pay more. Unfortunately, financial incentives need to be used and the stick is stronger than the carrot. But I think that's the only thing you can do. But Melanie, there are going to be more costs coming because this generation is going to use more services going forward as a result of behavior. And it's in everybody's best interest to get healthier. So it sounds like healthcare costs are going to continue to go up. I would say that along with the way that Obamacare has set up things. So one of the things that happened with Obamacare is A, they have not allowed the government to negotiate with the pharma companies on drugs. So let's talk about the drug thing for a second. You see all these great ads. You're probably familiar with uh, Emberol. That's the one that Phil Milkison, the great golfer, does ads for. Well, that drug's 2700 bucks a month. Most people don't realize that. Let's say I get hepatitis C. Fortunately, I don't have it as far as I know. But if I do, there's a drugs out there now that treat it. And if I've got it, I definitely want to take these drugs. Well, the drug to treat hepatitis C, you see it advertised all the time, is $1,000 a day for 83 days. Wow. So I'm an employer, and I'm paying for that now. These new drugs that have come out and are outrageously expensive, I'm relating this to health care reform, is that as a result of Obamacare, government's not allowed to negotiate with the drug companies over the prices and the drug companies are charging as much as they can because they can. As an employer, if I cut that drug off from people that need it, I might save 80 grand, but I'm going to end up paying for a $250,000 liver transplant. So the pharmacy, pharmacists, pharma companies are playing the game a little bit right there. Um, and that's what's going on with the specialty drugs. But in going back to your earlier question with healthcare reform, People now can buy health insurance with no pre-existing conditions. That's what happened with healthcare. So if you think about that, insurance was never designed to cover things that happened before you bought the policy. I mean, think about it. If I could buy auto insurance after I crashed my car, why would I buy it now? So with healthcare reform, people can now sign up for healthcare, get their prior stuff taken care of, and that's great for them. But here's the problem too many of the people are signing up for it to get fixed and then guess what they drop it the utilization of the new people going in is four to five hundred percent higher than normal first-time enrollees and then nine months later a lot of them are dropping it because the penalty to not have insurance is dramatically lower than the cost of the insurance that's the way Obamacare is set it up so people gain the system and why wouldn't they they've been encouraged to do so so yeah. these are other things that are driving costs that you and I and the rest of us are all paying for. So that's not a lot to look forward to in the healthcare industry. Uh, we all have to try and earn more money just to cover the bills for the medical. I, mean, well, I, think, I think the big thing that um, you touched on with the obesity issue is we all need to take responsibility for ourselves and for you know our immediate families to do something like exercise more, eat more healthy, you know, eat more more um, fruits and vegetables and that sort of thing and solve that obesity issue and, you know, that kind of thing. I think we can all take responsibility definitely to be more active and eat healthier. 100%. You know, people don't like their employers to tell them to do things. They're trying to help. They're trying to help people being healthier. They're giving them money to be healthier. You think that that's all good. But, you know, America to me used to be the land of individual, you know, rugged, individualism, personal responsibility, and I think we've gotten away from that. If we all just accept a little bit more personal responsibility, um, I think instead of this victim mentality, it would be better for everything. Yeah. 
Well, just to recap, I think um, great tips that we should look for plans that have an HSA for the savings plan that we can put the money and save it tax-free and use that. And um, to go shopping for your drugs and use the um, the Medi Tipster and the Goodwish RX and look for different things even in your local state or city to shop for your drugs to try and get it for a lesser cost. And just be aware of all the costs going in. And stay in shape. Be responsible for your own fitness and your own health. I think those are great tips. And just to add to that, you can go to the public site. We have this custom app for our clients, but Healthcare Blue Book. It's a public site. You can go in and put your zip code and what procedure it is that you need. And it will tell you anywhere in the U.S. what the fair price in that town should be for that. And then you can call up where you're going and uh, check it out. A lot of health plans will have some cost estimators on there, but Healthcare Blue Book um, is a great one. So um, those are all things to do and just be a more active consumer and it's going to be better in the end for everyone. Terrific. Thanks a lot, Bob, for joining us. And I want to say that you are a great example for everyone because you take your fitness seriously. Uh, he mentioned kind of slid it in there a little bit, but Bob is an avid uh, bicyclist and he competes and he has a sailboat racing team as well. So he is really a fitness advocate and he lives what he preaches and not everybody does that. So I really admire that. Thanks for joining us today, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. For more information about us, go to EliteOnlinePublishing.com. To get your free book, The Accomplishment and Success Story Starter, simply text your name and email to 832-572-5285. That's 832-572-5285. We'd also like to thank Audible for supporting Elite Expert Insider. To get your free 30-day trial, please go to bit dot ly forward slash elite audible that's bit dot ly forward slash elite audible and get your free 30-day trial to show your support thank you audible